Well, here we are, week five of the Red Letter Challenge. We're almost done. I hope that you have had an amazing experience going through this over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but know and remember, this wasn't done so that we could check it off and go, right, we've done it, and on we go. Uh, we really hope that each one of us, as we journey through the Red Letter Challenge, have been challenged ourselves uh, and perhaps have been motivated as we go forward. And with that idea of going forward and, and being like Christ and putting the words of Christ into practice, it's only fitting that our final theme is going. And that's what we're going to look at today as we go through Scripture and as we go through the challenge that will come into this final week. Uh, and then hopefully, and I'm looking forward to next week, as we share testimonies together of what has happened in each one of us and through us over these last few weeks. You know, by way of getting into the topic of going, uh, I need to share this experience that I had about three weeks ago. Uh, so three weeks ago, I happened to be in the liquor store just down the road from my home. I was getting a couple of supplies there, and so I'm standing in front of the craft beer kind of shelf with all these various craft beers, and, and there are a few that I enjoy, and so I'm kind of looking at them, and there's a guy who comes in next to me, and he starts looking around, and clearly he cannot find the one he's looking for. So as one of the shop assistants walks past, he turns to this assistant, and he asks for a particular ale. And so my ears kind of perk up, and I, I hear the name, and I know the, the make. And so I sort of say to him, well, you know, if, if you like that one, you should really try the Squirrel Chaser by Yellow Dog. Uh, it's a great hazy IPA. And uh, so he kind of picks some them up and looks at them. And, and while he's looking at them, I notice just next to him is the, the Parkside Dreamboat Hazy IPA. So I say to him, you know, if, if you also like that, you should probably try the Dreamboat. Uh, and then I grab mine and I sort of stroll off thinking nothing of it. And then I'm outside at, the, at my car and this guy comes walking up and his car happens to be right next to mine. Uh, and I, of course, because I've had this conversation with him, I notice in his bag he's got the brand that he asked for, but he hasn't taken my suggestions. There's, there's none of mine there. So I sort of say to him, hey, I, I see you, you found what you were looking for. Uh, you know, is that kind of one that you go with pretty regularly? And he says, well, you know, my wife and I enjoy the flavor, and, and so we don't really like a high alcohol content, so, you know, that's why we kind of stick with this. So, of course, I say to him, well, if you don't like a high alcohol content, then you should try Prime Time. That's from Bridge Brewing. It's a local Vancouver brewery. And, of course, at this point, he sort of looks at me, and he, he kind of has that, are you a rep, uh, or, or do you work here that you kind of know these things? I mean, are you getting commission? What's the, the deal? And, and now I kind of realize, well, now I've just got to be honest with this guy. And I sort of look at him and I go, well, truth be told, I'm a Baptist pastor. And of course, this guy just packs out laughing because, you know, how many Baptist pastors are giving beer advice in the liquor store? But isn't that natural and normal? I mean, if, if I've experienced something and I enjoy something, surely I'm going to tell somebody else about it. Uh, you know, it, it, we all do that. We might have a great experience at a particular restaurant, and we'll tell our friends, hey, you've really got to try this place. The, the food or the vibe or the, the waiters and the staff, it's just an excellent place. 
maybe not a, a restaurant, maybe we might say, well, if you're looking for service in your vehicle, well, then you've got to try this place. You know, they're knowledgeable and they don't try and rip you off. It's a great place. You've got to go there. Or we might say, well, I'm looking for a dentist. And of course, when we talk about dentists, the first thing on the checklist is pain-free. And so we'll go, well, hey, you've got to try this dentist. You know, they're, they're, they're great. They know what they're talking about and they don't leave you in pain the whole way through. So we all do this. We all share based on our experience and we share based on what we know and we share based on something that's impacted us or something that maybe means something to us. In fact, we all uh, are so ready to share experiences we've had in so many things. It's one of the reasons that I won't go anywhere without first checking out the Google reviews. I want to know, well, what have people experienced? How have people found this place? How have people found the service or whatever it might be? Because we talk about what we know. We talk about what's impacted us. We talk about what's influenced us. And we talk about what we're passionate about. Yeah, it, was, it was Francis of Assisi uh, who said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. And of course, the point that Francis of Assisi was making is that our actions, our lives, should match our words. And the point he was making is for disciples, for those in Christ, if we claim to be in Christ, well then it shouldn't just be our words, it should be our deeds that go along together and that kind of help that gospel message. And of course, what Francis was saying here is not that we should not speak. He's not saying that the words are unimportant, They need to match up. And so we need to use both our words and our actions. We need to be able to proclaim the gospel through word and through deed. And just as I was prepared to, I know it's an extroverted thing, some of you are just kind of horrified that I would talk to a random stranger in a liquor store, but just as I was prepared to share something that I knew, So too, when it comes to being in Christ, we're called to share what we know, share of our experience. Over these last couple of weeks, as we've journeyed through this Red Letter Challenge, we started all the way in the beginning with that whole idea of being, being in Christ. It's that image from John 15 where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And there's that visual picture of producing fruit. We only produce fruit, or a branch only produces fruit, when it's connected to the vine. As it grows, as it finds its life coming out of the vine. And so you too, you and I, sorry, we're invited to be with Christ. To spend time in the presence of our Lord. To spend time being. But we don't end there. We don't just simply be with Jesus. Uh, the idea of fruit implies there's something that comes thereafter. And then on, after our being week, we looked at the whole idea of forgiving. And the fact that we are forgiven in Christ. And just as we are forgiven in Christ, so too we go out and we forgive others. Those who've hurt us, those who've wronged us, those who've uh, offended, insulted, or, or done something to us. Just as we've received forgiveness, so we practice and extend forgiveness. And then we kind of went into the third week with those two as our foundation of being and forgiving. And the third week was all about serving, serving others. Because the point is, God has prepared good works for each one of us to do. 
And those works are all about serving, serving the world, serving those around us. It can be the simplest thing, you know, giving a, a cup of water or, or just making some cookies for someone. Doing something really simple is still an act of service. And the whole theme that week was that reminder that Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for us. And then last week we looked at the topic of giving. And that reminder that where our treasure is, that's where our hearts will be. You know, where, where our wealth is, where our finances, where our money, where we spend all our time, where we sacrifice for and invest, that's where our hearts will be. And the point is, as we are kind of moved by grace and as we discover more of what Jesus has done for us, so there's this natural response to want to give. And to give to those who cannot ever hope to repay us. To give to local ministry, to give to our church, to give to organizations, to give to people in need for the sake of the kingdom. And so as we have all of that as kind of this foundation and this framework and that base, so it's only logical and natural that we don't just stay in this little holy huddle. We don't just stay in a little, I love what John Stott called it, a holy ghetto. You know, this church community becomes like this little ghetto where we just stick together and we stay uh, in our own little huddle. We don't want to be contaminated by the outside world. But Jesus doesn't leave that option for us. Jesus sends us out. Jesus says, it's time to go. And I know some of you might panic and you might go, well, you know, Jesus might send me to a foreign country or Jesus might send me miles away and, and I just, I'm not prepared for that or I don't think I can do that. You know what? For most of us, I would say for the overwhelming majority of us watching this today, Jesus isn't sending you across the world. At best, Jesus is sending you across the street. And Jesus is sending you where he has placed you. You know, as we read through the Gospels and the book of Acts and those portions that have the red letters of Jesus, the words of Jesus, you know, I think today we need to look at those last words of Jesus. If you're about to go away for a long time, you're going to leave instructions for those behind. Jesus does the same with his disciples. Jesus does the same with us. He gives these final instructions. You know, in Matthew chapter 28, and we know this is the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And Mark records similarly in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus' last words. And he says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now Luke writes in Luke chapter 24, verses 47 to 48, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. John records for us in John chapter 20, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then in Acts chapter 1, 
Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, Jesus has spent this time with his disciples. Jesus is this time on earth as he's walked amongst his creation, as he's walked amongst humanity, and as he's pulled these disciples to himself, and as he's spent time with them, it was never just for their sake. It was always with that view of, I will send you out. And so Jesus sends his disciples out with a purpose, with a, with a message to proclaim the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you and I read through this, and as you and I engage with Christ, uh, as you and I kind of realize we're called to be disciples as well, these final words ring true for us. We're called to go, to make disciples, and to testify about Jesus. Now yes, for many of us, that seems like a daunting task. But you know why it seems like a daunting task? It's because we've overcomplicated it. We've put so much pressure on ourselves. We kind of have this view that, well, for me to say anything, well, I've got to know everything. Now, that might be true if you've got to get up. You know, maybe when you were in school, you had to give up and give a presentation. Or maybe when you worked in the corporate environment, you had to give a presentation. And, and it's only human nature when we get up to speak on a topic, we want to know as much as we possibly can about that topic. We want to be able to speak with authority into and about that topic. And sadly, we've done the same in this idea of sharing, of testifying, of being a witness to Jesus. We think we need to be able to answer every single question. We think we need to have an answer to everything. The reality is we will never know everything about anything. We will never know everything there is to know about the gospel and about Christ. And, And as we wrestle with these theological truths, but you see, Jesus never invites us into a relationship where we understand him perfectly. Jesus invites us into a relationship where we trust him completely. Let me say that again. Jesus never invites us into a relationship where we understand him perfectly. He invites us into a relationship where we trust him completely. So what does that look like? Well, it's kind of like that crazy illustration of me in the liquor store uh, that I opened with today. And the reality is there are thousands of craft beers on the market out there. I don't know every single one. In fact, if I did know every single one, I would probably need an intervention because there would be a problem. I don't know them all, but I know a few. I know some that I enjoy, and so I share about those that I enjoy. And and I'm not afraid in a place like that when the opportunity presents itself to speak about what I know. That's what Jesus does with us. When an opportunity presents itself, we simply testify That's why Jesus says you're going to be witnesses. And all that a witness does is a witness speaks of the truth that they have experienced, some event that they have witnessed. And so we simply share about what we've seen, what we've heard, and what we've experienced. It doesn't matter how little you think you know, or even how much you think you know. We're invited to be witnesses to Jesus. 
And so when I read a scripture and it means something to me and it speaks to me in that particular moment, well, a witness shares that with somebody else when that opportunity presents itself. When somebody tells me of a, a challenge they've got or something they're going through, you know, I don't try and answer that. Chances are, theological answers really not going to help right in that moment. So all I do is I say, well, can I pray for you? Can I pray about that? And then I go and that's what I do because that's what a witness does. I pray for things because I've seen and experienced God give me peace in the midst of really trying situations. As I've gone through trials and experiences and, and things that don't make sense, I've learned that I don't need to understand what God is doing. I don't need to understand Jesus fully. I need to trust him. And I do. And so because I trust him more than I understand him, I testify to his goodness. I witness to what he has done. And I share my eyewitness account. Uh, you know, people might doubt what I say, and, and they're welcome to, and people always will. But as much as you might doubt what I say, you cannot take away that it is my eyewitness account to what I believe God is doing through Christ in my life. Don't ever for a moment underestimate the power of an eyewitness account. You know, there are people in prison today who are there not because of the evidence, not because of the fact of the matter. They are there because there was an eyewitness who testified to the account. The sad truth is there are some people in prison today who are there falsely because that eyewitness account was a false witness and they lied. And, and it's heartbreaking when we see and we read those stories of people who've been in that situation. But they're there because there is power in an eyewitness account. And Jesus calls us to simply be witnesses to what he's done in our lives. Our testimony of Jesus doesn't need to be some deep theological treatise. It doesn't need to be some deep theological defense. It is simply telling the story of what Jesus has done in our lives. Now, I know some of you this morning, or today, sorry, might kind of pause and go, well, I can't really think of what Jesus has done in my life. I can't really think of what Jesus has done for me. My friends, can I lovingly rebuke you and, and say, well, you know, maybe just kind of pause, check your heart and reflect on the gospel message of what Jesus has ultimately done for us. This is what Paul writes about in Romans, the apostle Paul, as he writes this letter to the church in Rome. As we journey through the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says, there is no one righteous, not even one. He goes on just a few verses later in Romans 3 verse 23, all have fallen and fall short of the glory of God. And then in Romans 6 verse 23, he says, for the wages of sin is death. And as we read through those couple of verses in those passages, uh, kind of there's this, this shocking revelation, this shocking truth that there are no good people. You know, we might go to somebody's funeral or, or memorial and remember somebody. And of course, we, we stand up and we want to share the memory of this person. And so somebody will say, well, they were a good person. And I get what they're saying. I understand what they mean by that. And I don't mean to 
offend anybody's memory. But as I read through Romans, I'm reminded, no, there are no good people. Because even our good deeds are tainted by sin. Even our good deeds are tainted by our own pride or our own selfish desires. And so Paul understands this and Paul says, no one is good. We all fall well short of the glory of God. What does Paul mean by that? Well, you see, you and I like to compare ourselves to others around us. And so we compare ourselves to, you know, a mass murderer. We compare ourselves to an evil dictator. We compare ourselves to those who've done terrible things. And we go, well, I'm, I'm not as bad as that, so I'm, I'm good. And Paul goes, no. In relation to God, who is eternally holy, who is perfect, no one meets that requirement. Nobody matches up to that standard. Everyone falls short of the glory of God because everyone sins. Everyone has sinned. And then Paul kind of reminds us, what are the wages of sin? What do we deserve? What, what should we receive because of our sin? Well, the only thing we should receive is death. <laughs> but it doesn't end there. I love that same verse, Romans 6 verse 23. Yes, for the wages of sin is death, comma. Paul goes on, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've experienced grace and mercy. You would hopefully have read at, while we were going through forgiving the whole idea of grace and mercy. You know, grace, somebody has said, is God's riches at Christ's expense. You see, grace is getting what we don't deserve. And mercy is not getting what we do deserve. You and I, apart from Christ, we're separated from God in our sin, but we're not left there. Jesus gives mercy and grace to us, and in, through Christ, we receive life. At the very least, this is what I testify to. This is what I act as a witness to. This is what I share with the world around me. This is what I proclaim. I wasn't just a bad person who needed to be made good by Jesus. No, I was a dead person. But now, through Christ, I am alive. And I will be alive forevermore in the presence of God for, for eternity in that glory, in, in praise and worship, and just in that presence of God. Thanks be to God for this gift of grace. You know, Satan would try and have us bound. Satan would try and have us headed for death. Yet we have life. And even as I talk about Satan, as he tries to bind us, as he tries to have us head for death, even Satan, Scripture tells us, he's overcome. And how is he overcome? Well, we read in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You see, when you and I proclaim the gospel story, when you and I share our testimony, when you and I witness to what Christ has done in us and through us, we overcome the works of the evil one. We overcome the work of Satan in people's lives. And while you and I don't ever save someone, that is a gift of grace that Christ does in somebody's life. Even though you and I don't save them, we're part of that journey as we testify 
to the goodness of God, as we testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, as we close off and as we conclude, this week as you go into this week of going, you're going to be challenged to go and to testify. And like I said, don't panic. God's not going to send you across the world. You know what? Even if he does, he'll prepare your heart and you'll be ready for that and you'll probably want to go halfway across the world. But like I said right at the beginning, God is more probably going to send you across the aisle, across the room, across the street. God's going to send you to the places he's already put you. There are people in your family who need to hear your witness. There are friends who do life with you who need to hear your witness. There are colleagues with whom you work who need to hear your witness. Wherever you are is an opportunity and a place to go and to testify about the goodness of God through the grace of Jesus Christ. This isn't a scary, daunting task. This is a joyful task because as we do it, as we see that light come on proverbially, as we see people engage with the risen, living Jesus Christ, so we join with their testimony and their eyewitness account of what Jesus has done in them and through them. As you go out into this week, may you go renewed and empowered by the Holy Spirit not to do incredibly huge, scary, audacious things, but to go and simply witness and testify to Jesus Christ. He will receive glory, and he will do what only he can do. May the Lord bless you as you journey together with your group and as you go through this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you. Jesus, we marvel at this gift of grace. So often we... We think we have to have these huge answers and this huge testimony of, of what you've done. And, and we kind of think that we have to have lived this terrible life and have been redeemed from it. And when reality, every one of us, apart from Christ, was lost in our sin. But thanks be to God, through this gift of grace, we are saved and redeemed by Jesus Christ. And Jesus, my prayer for each one of us watching this is that we would see this incredible opportunity, this incredible invitation to simply testify, to be witnesses to what you've done. And God, I know there will be days that we find it challenging. There will be days where we want to give great answers to questions and challenges and objections. But God, you don't call us to give answers all the time. You call us to simply trust you. And your word reminds us in those times when we think we don't know what to say, your Holy Spirit will speak through us as we simply yield and testify to Jesus. My prayer, God, is that each one of us would hear the invitation, would hear the call, and we would indeed go that we would go out, not only in this coming week, but routinely and continually and over and over, we would go and testify. And as we do that, that indeed we would impact the world for your gospel. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. May the Lord bless you.